3, 2, 1. Over the past few months I found myself in a quite difficult situation like everybody else I believe and uh, on top of that I, I made some major changes in my life and uh, I had to rethink completely uh, the way that I approached my life and uh, my work. I left the city that I love, a job that I love. Due to family issues I experienced a very important loss and I started thinking about what kind of skills I have to develop to uh, face uh, this time of hardship and uncertainty. And in this kind of times, some skills are more important than others. And resilience is definitely one of those skills. My name is Gianluca Cinque Palmi, you are listening to GLC Live, my podcast dedicated to business design. I'm an educator, design entrepreneur and best-selling author. In this show, I challenge designers, creatives and entrepreneurs to unravel the complexities between uh, business and design. In this episode, resilience. So... I thought quite uh, quite long and hard about uh, what I was going to do in uh, in these difficult times, and I thought the best thing that I could do is to uh, share my knowledge and contribute my my goal, which is to inspire creatives, entrepreneurs, and designers, challenge them, and eventually try to disrupt the business and design industry and i decided to to create this post about resilience in the past few weeks i've deep dive in uh, on the topic of resilience and despite everything that it's going on in the world i believe we can all work together and and we can all contribute to mainly to ourselves, but also to our community with our ability to understand where do we stand and what can we do to to improve ourselves in these difficult times. So if we begin with the concept of resilience in the canonical sense, what is resilience in the canonical sense? Resilience is, if we follow the, the dictionary definition, the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties or toughness, character toughness or mental toughness. And for a, an object or a, or a substance is the ability to spring back into the original shape. So we can say elasticity. And this is the canonical sense. This is something that I think we are all prone to to develop like the ability to go back and everyone if you look at the news and everybody's asking oh when can we uh, go back to to how it was i found a, a i would say a better definition uh, of resilience a more modern definition of resilience which is proposed by jury rousseau which is the ceo of driven which is this AI 
powered resilience up. And Mr. Rousseau proposed this wonderful definition, which is resilience is the ability to advance despite adversity. I love this concept. This concept is uh, it's a concept that I've been playing with a lot, and I would be I've been thinking of uh, a lot because it basically states that uh, not only we are going to be able to bounce back, but we are able to leap forward. So we are able to advance. So. I would say sometimes hardship and, and difficulties are those drivers that allow us to to become better, to 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 become more knowledgeable, to become more wise in a way. And uh, and I believe this particular moment in time is is a reflection that we can all have about how can we become better? How can we use this time to improve ourselves? To to not only to try to to face adversity and to work towards adversity, but how can we become better? And and once the situation goes back to normal, we can hit the ground running, right? So this is also based on the work of Mr. Rousseau. The six predictor of resilience i redesigned and redefined them into what i defined as the five pillars of resilience so to understand how we can develop i believe we can use some diagnostics some tools that tells us let's begin saying where do we stand, where we are at this moment in our resilience score, and how can we become better, or what are the areas that we need to work more towards to become better. So if we want to advance, we, we need to start by analyzing where do we stand in the first place. And we will deep dive in each and every single one of them. The five... <laughs> Pillars are focus, mindfulness, resourcefulness, relationships, and wellness. So I made this exercise and, and I tried to score uh, myself in this diagram. It's the same diagram that I use for my five fundamentals uh, business design principles. So I'm very comfortable with it. And then this shows that there are some areas that I need to work more than others. And also recognizing the areas where I'm well-equipped, right? And so I can leverage those to then reinforce and empower the others. So what I did is just score a, a point one or zero and, and a 0 0.5 in each and every single skill. And each skill that I will present now is composed by five elements and try to score that if I am well equipped in, uh, in that skill particularly or not. So let's deep dive on, on the first element. So the first element is focus. So what is focus? Focus is our ability to have a clearly defined purpose 
or goal if you want to although purpose is more than a goal purpose is our uh, living force let's say and have the determination and the perseverance to pursue this purpose or this goal so the first point of focus or how can we develop focus first of all we need to have a clear definition of our purpose what is our purpose why do we do what we do why uh, if you want to be philosophical in a way we can say why we are here right now you don't have to have this magical purpose which is feed the the poor or i don't know go and serve in in a in a developing country is something very personal that that will drive you i love the definition that massimo vignelli which is this great italian designer he said the life of a designer is a life of fight against ugliness so that that was his purpose his his purpose was to fight ugliness through his skills through his design through creating amazing visual content so other kind of purpose could be you know be free or or express yourself or if you are an entrepreneur enabling others solving others people's problem whatever it is the important part is that you clearly define what drives you it took me a long time to find mine but i always was uh purposeful i would say in my choices before when i when i ran an agency i wanted to make the best design that i could and help companies and brands grow and now my purpose is to reskill people reskill people for the fourth industrial revolution so to contribute to the society by coaching and consulting and educating people on skills that are not uh, completely developed in the classical curriculum of of education the second point is defining priorities defining priorities is uh, double linked with the first point which is defining purpose why because if we have a clearly defined purpose and we know how to define our priorities it becomes much simpler so what are those activities that will do not distract me from achieving what i want to achieve there are hundreds of methods and i will probably do uh, in the in the next four weeks or five weeks a deep dive in each element so that i can serve my audience a little bit better so defining priorities means try to understand what can we do to identify what's urgent what's important and what we can delegate another way of defining priorities is trying to decide what are the most impactful elements that we have to to do during the day and this links to our next point which is set process goals so not all the goals are the same so i won't spend too much time but just to give you an idea you know there are three kinds of goals 
there are performance goals, there are process goals, and there are outcome goals. Outcome goals are uh, those goals that are focusing only on the outcome, like, you know, winning a gold medal or losing 20 pounds. These are all goals that are set towards the final outcome. And this sometimes become very frustrating because maybe you don't achieve exactly what you want. So sometimes it's very hard just to have just one single goal. Another kind of goal is the performance goal. Like if we take the example before of running a marathon uh, or, or sorry, winning the gold medal, you know that your performance need to increase because you need to do, you know, 10K in 15 minutes and then 14 minutes and then 12 minutes and then 10, et cetera, et cetera. So these are performance goals. On the other side, I'm more interested in what we call process goals. Process goals are goals set towards understanding what kind of process will lead me to the desired result. So let's say if I want to run a marathon or if I want to win the gold medal, probably I need to set a certain type of workout that I need to do every day to achieve that goal. If I want to lose 20 pounds, instead of focusing on the 20 pounds, I focus on the process. So my uh, alimentation, my nutrition, and my exercise. So I know that every day I need to do, I don't know, let's say one hour of exercise. So in that sense, I'm setting process goals. So I, I set the goal of doing that specific activity every day and I know that after a certain amount of time I will achieve my desired outcome. The other part which is related to the previous two points is how do we develop discipline? Developing discipline is very important. It means to define what we want to achieve and sticking to it. And this is something definitely I need to improve on this because I have so many interests and I get distracted a lot. Developing disciplines means also setting up some techniques if we want to make sure that every day or, or very, very regularly we achieve what we want to achieve. Most of the time we approach discipline with, with a very negative thought say, uh, or negative sentiments toward discipline, which is, you know, oh my God, I need to do this and it's so, it's so hard and I have to do this. So you, you try to pull out all your willpower to, to achieve that. And sometimes we can just try to trick our mind and to enable us to do the task that we they require the particular effort in an easy way. So in a way we have to trick our mind and say, if, if you want to go out for a run three times a week, maybe you can prepare your, you can prepare your shoes on the side of the bed. This is a very common example. Or, you know, hide your phone so that unless you go out for a run and you do certain kind of things, you, you don't get to use your phone until you don't do that. Or use 
what is called tiny habits. I will link some some references in the show notes. Or simply decide that the tasks that are more taxing, I think the methodology is called uh, eating the frog. Until you don't do that specific task, you're not going to do anything else. So you force yourself to say, okay, if I want to exercise the first thing in the morning, I need to do my exercise. And if I don't do that, I'm not going to do anything else. So this is a way to kind of force yourself. There are things that we can do also that are a little bit less impactful. So something we need to develop a habit of discipline. So something like being on time is something very important. Why? Because it trains us to plan ahead, to define our priorities. So if you force yourself and whatever it is, you know, no matter what, I will every single appointment, whether it's meeting my friends or, or having a business meeting, I will be on time. Even uh, one of my dearest friends always says, you know, if I'm, if I'm five minutes early, I'm, I'm, I'm late. And these are all little tricks. Do your bed. <laughs> no, this, this helps us with discipline. Every time you begin something, try to finish it. And these are all ways that we can develop our discipline. Developing a growth mindset. Developing a growth mindset means try to focus on a steady, even small, but consistent gain. So this means that we need to start thinking. Sometimes we, we get... We, we get distracted and we only think that either we are 100% all in or we are not going to achieve what we want to achieve. But in the reality, think about this. If you main for a small consistent growth, imagine 1% or 10%, let's say 10% a year, right? If te- Whatever it is, every year I become 10% more fit. 10% more rich, 10% more knowledgeable. In only five years, you will be 50% better than what you were. This is developing a growth mindset. No matter how small is the advancement, if we are consistent with it, we will yield the result at the end. And this is something very, very important and powerful. The next pillar is mindfulness mindfulness is our ability to overcome instinctive emotions right being aware and being in the present moment and this leads to the first point which is practice awareness awareness means be present in the present moment which is uh, something weird but what does it mean? It means that we we either are dragged on the past or in the future. So either we think about, oh my God, uh, the, the task that I have to do, or I have to cook for tonight and I'm so tired, and or, oh, yesterday I've done this, or three days ago I've done this. So being present is something that we need to train to be. Because our natural response, what we call uh, 
fight or flight is, is an instinct that it's very hard to to contrast so if we would have this ability to be present and be in the present moment we would be extremely rational so we will be able to be much more critical in in, in facing our our current state and this links to another subject the second point which is equanimity equanimity means to have an equal mind it comes from the latin equal equal and animus mind having an even mind means that we are able to regulate our emotions how do we think critically about the situation how do we not get worked up how do we understand that we all have emotions and emotions might be triggered by different factors whether we are aware or not aware of it but we can regulate them so we can understand these emotions and we can regulate them and understanding you know we all get worked up in traffic but there is no point of that you know so our emotion our anxieties you need to understand that if you are present if you are here if you are in the in the present moment you understand that if the situation it is what it is the anxiety doesn't have reason to exist because this anxiety is driving you to the future right is you're not in the present moment in the present moment you need to be thinking critically about what you can do in the in this moment and these emotions you can tune down this emotion and uh, leads to how do we regulate this emotion we can materialize this emotion or we can understand these emotions how do we do that for example for me when i get annoyed or when i i start feeling anxiety coming up usually i have two physical responses now i feel my my stomach clenching and i have a kind of a syndrome that is called the restless leg which means i start flickering my leg a lot so when that happens i know that a certain emotion is arising in my in my conscious and in my body and if i recognize these signals i can then regulate regulate these emotions so i can tune them down and i can calm myself i can practice breathing this is linked before on practicing awareness and you can you can practice regulating these emotions in so many different ways for example when i can when i feel uh, okay about it i i do the classic meditation so i observe my breath and i take deep breath and i try to stay concentrated or in other cases when i'm particularly worked up what do i do i i use another technique which is what i call mindful writing so i take 21 deep breaths and then i start writing with no scope i i just write my physical sensations i write my feelings i write any sort of idea that come up into my into my mind in that particular moment and this helps me to do these three things practice awareness to be here and now to regulate my emotions because i feel 
I, I am feeling I'm regulating my anxieties and I'm materializing physically <laughs> materializing because I'm writing it down and I write you know this morning I woke up and I feel my stomach uh, clinching because I feel a lot anxious about you know I don't know the meeting that I'm going to have or the discussion that I need to have the fourth point is be aware of attachment being aware of attachment is something that we discussed in the previous episode with the executive coach Gaston Schmidt on episode 13. And he gave me this wonderful advice, which is uh, desire and, and, uh, and having goals and having the drive to, to achieve something is not bad per se is the attachment to that, is the uh, obsession, if you want, to achieve that, that is not healthy. So uh, how do we regulate attachment? Number one, we just need to note. Noting attachment and noting that we are getting too much emotional or too much attached to that specific topic. And the other part is start thinking, okay, what happens if I don't achieve the result or if i don't have this thing that i desire how would i feel how would i approach what could be a valuable substitution to that so is the attachment that we that we face that is something negative don't take it personally so not everything is about ourselves not everything is about our personal status it can just be that you know other people have other reactions and and it's about them not about us uh, let me give you an example of uh, of this um, so for instance if one of the things that annoyed me <laughs> immensely when i was teaching was seeing my students on their phone when I was seeing students on their phone, I took it very personally. And, and I thought, oh, how disrespectful is this? Because I, I spend a lot of time to prepare. Then I came here and I try to engage them. I try to be the best that I can be. And they don't care. And I took it very personally. And then suddenly I started thinking that, you know, maybe it was not about me and it was more about them. So what if, I don't know, their parents actually send them an important message or or they have uh, a relative in the hospital or something like that, or they were simply ta using their phone for taking notes, which one time actually happened to me and, and that changed my perspective. And sometimes, yes, this was just, they were not interested in the in uh, in the subject that i was covering but honestly was that really about me or was more about them and and the difference was 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 big because maybe they were not paying attention and and they, they this had very little to do with me so our third point <laughs> And this is, I'm proud because this is the, the area where I'm more, where, where I scored the highest. So resourcefulness. And probably this is about my background or this is something that I've been training a lot to find solutions. So uh, 
Resourcefulness is about finding clever ways to overcome difficulties or finding resources when the resources are limited. So the first point is plan for different scenarios. What does it mean to plan for different scenarios? This is actually a, a practice that is, I think it started in military strategy, which is, um, is a topic that is called scenario planning. You can look it up. There are a couple of very interesting videos on YouTube about scenario planning. So scenario planning is, is a strategical approach to different scenarios. So saying, you well, let's go back one step. Usually we only think about two scenarios, good or bad. So let's say that, and this is also something that is, is linked to the biases, our bias towards negativity. No? So if your boss look at, looks at you and says, hey, I would like to talk to you in my office later, automatically we, we, we think, oh my God, what I've done wrong. But, but that's not the case. If we are prepared, it could be very different scenarios. It could be a negative scenario. It could be a positive scenario. It could be something in between. So scenario planning starts our ability to envision different outcomes. If this happened, then that happens. And, and also trying to be comfortable with, with different uh, outcomes. This starts training our brain to become more resourceful. The next point is running a personal SWOT. Well, what does it mean to run a personal SWOT? For people that are not accustomed with the term SWOT, SWOT stands for uh, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threat. Uh, usually this is something that we use in business to evaluate a, a brand or to evaluate a company or a business idea. But we can run a personal SWOT, meaning that we can analyze what our our strengths, what are our weaknesses, what what opportunities we might have in a in a specific scenario, and what are the th threats of of a specific scenario. Now, the important part of the SWOT, because when you say I have a strength or I have a weakness. Most of the people forget one very important point, which is define a benchmark. Now, if I compare my strengths and weaknesses, let's say an example on fitness. <laughs> let's say I compare myself to a, a triathlon athlete, a professional triathlon athlete. Uh, this is very unrealistic because he's level of strength is so much higher than mine. While I can compare to my friend, and if I have a friend that went through the process of becoming much more healthier and much more fit, I can compare to him and say, oh, okay, let me see what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are, what opportunity this friend had that I didn't have? And eventually what are the threats that will not make me achieve the goal that I want to achieve. So this is another very good exercise to, to become more resourceful. Number three is challenge your biases. Challenging your biases means 
is a preconception. So every time you know you see somebody and you see somebody in a in a certain way you you have a preconception so let's say you go to a bar and you have this this waiter that is has piercing and color there or something like that and he doesn't treat you well no that particular day automatically you start collecting all this data and you start making a a preconception that oh he's a troublemaker and he's a crazy guy or girl and he's a rebel or he or she is a rebel etc uh, etc et but and and this happened to me <laughs> many times where i where i made some assumptions and and then i didn't truly see the reality of of this person so i challenge my biases and the next day that i went there i be i would be super kind and the next day maybe that was not a bad day for this person this person became very kind to me so this is a small example of how we can uh, challenge our biases the fourth point is practice creative thinking now something that i've been fighting with all my heart and soul in the past years is uh, every time that somebody says i'm not creative i try to fight that because creativity is something one that you can practice and one that you can develop even in mundane things so Practicing creativity doesn't mean that you need to start painting or you need to start playing an instrument or anything like that. Uh, creativity is about combining knowledge in unique, unexpected ways. This is my signature definition that I taught to my students. So whatever you do, you can do in a different way. So if you're cooking a, a particular dish, just practice doing it in a different way so i don't know you you make a wonderful apple pie try to make uh, apple tarts or try to do something with the same recipe but just package in a different way if you fold your clothes in a certain way try to fold them in a different uh, way in a wonderful discussion with my friend june about an exercise that i call the Ten Thousand steps where you take a walk and you note things that interest you and then you combine them randomly <laughs> and then you have uh, new things at the end this is also creative thinking so actively try to think differently ask yourself five different ways to do something and this will help you with your creative thinking and last but not least accept change Accepting change is, is a tough topic. So first and foremost, if you want to keep creating, you need to accept change. This quote is from Miles Davis. And you have to think that the natural state of things is what we call entropy. Okay? So the universe tends to go from order to disorder. So the natural state of things is messy you know if you leave your room uh, and you don't tidy up so if you don't put 
effort and energy into into some into cleaning up your room will be a mess your house will be a mess so the natural state of things is to go from order to disorder and this is is a natural law you can you can't do anything about it what you can do is try to provide solutions so don't expect that others will uh, solve the solution for you but you need to actively take charge so this is this what means accepting change change is gonna happen change is happening but how do you accept it and you embrace it i should have said you know accept and embrace change Uh, and your ability this is part of resourcefulness because it's your ability to provide solutions always think about solutions Um, the next point is relationships relationships means our ability to build meaningful relationships meaningful relationships means that our connection with other human beings friends colleagues family that are meaningful Uh, we all have different heritage we all have different families we all have different status of our families so but these rules apply to any sort of relationship so social support no one is an island no man is an island we we are social animals we thrive when we are in a social context we thrive when we are surrounded by other people we thrive when we do community work this is embedded in our dna we won't be the society and we won't be the humans that we are now if we were not able to socialize and to organize ourselves so start with one very simple thing which is respect (laughs) and it seems trivial but respect is understanding the feeling the wishes and the rights of others right so which is related to the next point but is more try to think if you want to have respect you need to earn that respect but respect means being reverent uh, or understanding these feelings wishes and rights of other and this is linked to the next point which is develop empathy developing empathy is understanding the emotions of other people not only sympathizing with them you know somebody that somebody gets hurt or gets sick and you oh I'm, I'm very sorry no but try to understand the deep emotional connection that that person is having try to understand the the emotional bond that that person has with that specific situation try to understand the other person perspective and listen no listen to this person listen to what they're trying to say listen to, to what they're trying to do and connect with that if that positive emotion is really hard i have a trick which is called the reverse empathy sometimes just think about what's the worst thing that you could do for this person i call it the reverse empathy we made a wonderful discussion with uh, march rogers about this topic of reverse empathy and last 
on this uh, set of three is accountability, which is also related to to social support, empathy, and accountability. Accountability means being there and keeping people in check, but also having people that keeps you in check. In every study, in every uh, book about changing habits or uh, shaping habits or, or reframing your habits, the support from others is key. So being accountable, what does it mean to being accountable? Um, being accountable means to understand other people's expectation and to understand your expectation and be clear about it. How can you be accountable and find accountability on other people? So express this expectation be clear in your on your expectations whether is a is a family member whether is a co-worker or one of your reports you can be extremely open and clear in what are your expectations so you can say you know i i expect you to do this and this and this and in return i will do this and this and this and so your ability to communicate becomes much more fluid and this links to number 4.4 we can say which is active listening this is something that i developed also uh, a lot uh, as i was doing these interviews in the podcast uh, i always waited for my turn to speak but then i lost a lot of very interesting points so how can we become better listeners? If we want to become better communicators, the first thing that we have to do is becoming better listeners and doing what is called active listening. So paying attention, showing that you are listening to the other person, provide feedback. Providing feedback means, oh, did you mean this thing? Don't judge or don't judge until the argument is finished and also respond to to this communication in a in an appropriate manner especially now in this situation where we many of us are working from home and <laughs> like it or not there is a chemistry missing the physical presence is missing becoming an active listener and a better communicator is something extremely important so we will dive a little bit more uh, on this point in another episode. The last point is staying connected. Like everything, every relationship, and like any other skill, you have to put effort in it. Staying connected is, is something that you need to work towards because it's an effort you know sometimes and in this case we are very lucky because technology can help us and now we are becoming so much better of communicating through uh, digital platforms or or any other tool but staying connected being in connection with people that you care for is very 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 important schedule schedule meetings schedule video calls even uh, for things that are not uh, work related they can be social related so it's very important that we keep this connection alive 
And this is the final point. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's something that, for example, I scored very badly and I need to become better at. So well-being or wellness is the active pursuit of being good health. And we know, especially in this moment in time, how important it is for us to be in good health and, and how important it is to help others to be in good health. I would start with quality sleep. This is something I've been trying to preach and to explain to my students a lot and saying quality sleep is, is an essential component of your wellness, is an essential component of your productivity, is an essential component of your creative and, and uh, critical thinking, is an essential component for restoring your energy. When you are sleep deprived, you you tend to do not only sleep deprived, but just tired in general. You we have the the cognitive ability to keep on going, but in reality, what what takes us half an hour in the morning when we are fully charged and and focused, it takes us two hours to do when you know at at nine p.m. or ten p.m. when we are we had a very heavy day. And so quality sleep is extremely important. Having a consistent sleep cycle, go to bed at the, at the same time, wake up at the same time. I'm not an expert. I can't say you need this amount of hours, but it's not about the hours. It's more about the quality of your sleep. Leave your phone at least one hour before you go to bed for the blue light. Invest in a good mattress, invest in a good pillow, regulate your temperature. You know, all these little tricks that you can do to have a quality sleep. The next is regular exercise. It's been proven that our um our ability to, to move our body, our body has an immense response to our mind and the, the old saying uh you know men sana in corpore sano exercising having at least four days a week of an intense exercise will actually help us to be uh, much more sharp and much more flexible in our also in our thinking process in uh, in our creative thinking process and nowadays that we are, you know, maybe you don't have the opportunity to go out. There are uh, amazing apps about body weight exercise with very little or nothing. You can do a full body exercise just with your body weight. If you do want to push it forward, you could jump rope and or you can, you know, buy a TRX and have uh, use your body weight to lift yourself and you just need a door. So there is no excuse. If we can do this exercise, we just need to develop discipline and, and try to do it. And, and this is something that we all need to work on for our sanity and for our wellness. Balanced nutrition. I recently heard a very interesting definition that food is not only fuel, food is information. And this fascinated me because this is related to our 
receptors in our brain and what we call neuroplasticity as well. Not all the calories are the same. So, you know, a thousand calories of soda is very different than a thousand calories of greens because food is also a messenger to our body and fires up different areas. So if we, we, we get 1000 calories of soda and sugar, we only activate one area, which is the, the, the storing fat component. But if we have greens and all foods, we starting firing up all other areas of our brain. So having a balanced nutrition is, is extremely important. Try to regulate alcohol, try to regulate sugar, try to regulate processed food, and try to, as much as you can, to include in every single meal at least a whole food, uh, non-processed vegetables, nuts, and um, legumes, and stuff like that. The last point, or the second last point, is restoring activities. Now, restoring activities is a little bit tricky. Meaning that you need to know your body and you need to know yourself and you have to really understand what are those activities that restore your energy. So the sometimes the easy the easy answer is not the right one. So maybe lying on the couch and just watching Netflix all day is not an activity that is actually restoring your batteries. It might, but maybe you need something else. Maybe you need, you know, to go for a walk. Maybe you need to take a long bath. Uh, maybe you need to take a long shower. Maybe you need to sit down and read a book. Whatever really recharges your energy. This is something that you need to discover for yourself. And last but not least, intellectual stimulation. To recharge your batteries and to be in proper uh, wellness, your brain needs to be also stimulated. This is also <laughs> related to the previous point, which is we become really good at what we do the most often. So the lazier we are, the lazier we become. So if we spend all, all day on, uh, on the couch, we become very, uh, very lazy. And the more lazy we become, the more lazy we want to be. So intellectual simulation is something very important because you need to keep your brain fed. You need to be stimulated in very different things. Um, and I love, I, I love, don't get me wrong, you know, I, I love Netflix, but there are some activities that you can keep your brain active by, you know, have a notebook and watch an interesting documentary and try to take notes. This is something that is an intellectual stimulation. Even if we are at home, we could visit some museums or some art galleries virtually. This is also something stimulating. Another thing that you can do, especially now, and this is related to the point four, which is connection. Why don't you have a book club or, or a documentary club? Ask three or four of your friends to, to watch the same movie and then dedicate an hour 
to discuss the movie or discuss the documentary or discuss the book that you read. This is, is an intellect stimulation activity. I hope this post helped you to think and to think about other skills that you can improve. And I truly believe that if we embrace this approach about advancing despite adversity and we use this time to better ourselves and to really focus on these five skills and and try to note and understand what can we do to to improve our wellness what can we do to better our connections what can we do to become more resourceful what can we do to become more mindful and uh, what is it that we are focused on despite adversity then we can advance we, we, we can become better so as usual I'm Gianluca Cinque Valmi. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Share this post so that we can all become more resilient. Let me know in the comments. Subscribe on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. For references and links, please visit GLC Live. I decided also until May to open up a chat that you can have with me if you are on instagram the link is in uh, in the bio you can book a meeting with me for 30 minutes and if you are visiting glc live i will have the links in the description and i reduced 50 percent my coaching fee so for everyone that wants to have 60 minutes or more of coaching until May, you will have 50% less on every coaching session. Thank you again. Be resilient and remember that we can all advance despite adversity.